Before we dive into this week's episode of the UNI podcast, we'd like to take the time to bring awareness to COVID-19. To any and everyone listening, please follow the rules of social distancing, stay safe, stay clean, and stay healthy. And please feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions or thoughts. Our Instagram is always open at the UNI podcast, and we will be delighted to engage in conversation. So without further ado, this week's episode, we have Kiana Moju, a Los Angeles-based food video producer. Her company, Jaconi, is a culinary creative studio specializing in all stages of developing food video content, including video production and recipe development. Kiana was born and raised in the San Francisco Bay Area, spending childhood summers on her Maasai grandparents' farm in the mountains of Kenya. She grew up learning the cuisines of two very different worlds. She went to Northfield Mount Hermon for high school and went on to receive her undergraduate degree at Syracuse University and her master's at the University of Arts London. Here's our conversation with Kiana. You are listening to the UNI podcast a lifestyle podcast aiming to create a passionate and thriving community who aspire and inspire in all aspects of life. Here are your hosts, Ozzy and Carol. So we're so excited to have Keanu on our episode today. Welcome to the UNI podcast. Thank you for having me as I'm sitting on my couch. This kind of feels like not work, but let's, you know, <laughs> live in the moment. Yeah, podcast, we try to make it fun and relaxed. I'm sitting on my bed. Yeah. We're in quarantine. Can't really do much right now. Honestly, I'm really wearing, like, my house clothes. I want to make it as chill and, like, as more of a conversation as possible. I mean, I'm wrapped in the blanket right now, so I don't think I could get more comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we have a few questions for you, but first, how are you? I'm doing okay. Uh, I kind of quarantined in a frantic. I was in Europe when all of this stuff went down. Um, I was in Paris for a friend's birthday, and, you know, they said we're closing the European border, and at first I wasn't stressed because I'm like, oh, I'm flying out of England, so it's fine. And they're like, we're shutting down England, too. And I'm like, oh, crap, I have to get home. So it's a scramble to get home before it became difficult, too. And I've just been locked in my house by myself. All right, so before we get started, we wanted to break the ice a little bit. So if you could create a slogan for your life, what would it be? Uh, God, I hope this works. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, that's so funny. I didn't think that was your slogan. I was like, wait, what? What she's hoping is going to work. That's a story of my life. I always go into things. I'm like, this sounds like, you know, like you have an idea and like lots of energy. And then when it comes to time to do it, I'm like, oh, dear God, I hope this works. Uh, and that is yeah. literally the slogan of my life. Couldn't be more oh, true. That's how I am for like every same. exam right now in college. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. All right. So diving in, could you please share with us your background and the story that has led you to where you are now? Oh, my background is such a maze. I'll try to make it concise. But currently, I own a company called Jacomi, and it's a culinary creative studio here in LA, which means 
it's a kitchen studio where we create food content so that's cooking shows recipes you know snippet little cooking videos and I started this company well, technically I opened the studio in November um, and it's just kind of like an amalgamation of all my experiences in one space and place um, before that I had worked for a couple years as a video producer for Tasty um, and how I got there was just kind of a gradual realization of what my passion really was and then seeing that there could be a potential of making it a career and then just going for it. Um, so I started my food journey when I was seven. That's when I started taking cooking class and it remained very strongly a hobby. Um, and then maybe it was like in college is when I really got like more into like creating content around food. I had a blog I started um, when I studied abroad in London. I went to Syracuse and we have like a London program and I took a photography class and we had a we had different assignments. We had to go photograph people in the streets and I hated it. It was the most awkward thing ever to like rock up to some strangers and be like, hi, can I take your picture? Um, and oh, no one ever said no, which was nice. Uh, the rejection would have been too awkward for me to handle. <laughs> but I found that I much preferred photographing subjects that were like still inanimate objects and people. Um, so at the time I was doing a lot of like landscape anytime I, you know, hopped on a train out of the city. Um, and then food. Uh, you know, because I was always cooking, I was having friends for dinner and started shooting and photographing that. Um, so when I came back to college from my senior year is when I started a food blog. And, you know, after graduating, started doing, I was pre-law undergrad, so nothing to do with food. Um, and I was doing an internship while studying for my LSATs here in LA for a PR firm that did full lifestyle PR meaning they did bars, restaurants, all that stuff. So a lot of my job as intern was to reach out to uh, food media companies to see if they wanted to write about our clients. And every time I would look up a new company to reach out to, I just had a desire to want to be on the other side of that. I was like, oh, I'd much rather be the media person rather than the person pitching media. Um, so I canceled doing LSAT, uh, applied to do my master's in publishing, um, in London because I loved it so much for my undergrad and did the master's degree and focused every project that I had towards food media. So when we were talking about books, I made a cookbook. When we were talking about magazines, I made a food magazine and interned at um, a cooking school over there as well as Delicious Magazine, which is like a big food magazine over there and applied to the Tasty Job. And then here we are. I think I used the Delish <laughs> recipe like yesterday. I was making banana bread. Everyone's um, making banana bread. That was like the one that I picked. Yeah, made banana bread. Yeah, she made banana um, bread. But that's funny though because, it yeah, it was it was low key good. I won't lie. Um, but I actually applied to the Syracuse London program. Really? Um, I got in. Uh, so I'm deciding on two of them, but I got into that program, which is I just thought it was really funny. I mean, I'm super biased. That program is amazing. Not just because I love Syracuse, but. The thing I really enjoyed about that program is that all the professors there are 
current working professionals in industry. So kind of different from like your undergrad where your professors are full-time. All their professors are part-time. They teach one to two classes and they're working in the field. So they're like every bit of knowledge you have yeah. is so accurate, so up to date. That campus is smack in the middle of central London. Like in the middle, in the middle. Like you couldn't be better located. A lot of American schools, they put them in southwest London, these like bougie ass dry neighborhoods. Yeah. And like no. But like where Syracuse London is, it's like an amazing location. Even I I mean that program really set a path for a lot forward in my life. So that's good. Thank oh, you for so that. Nice. Thank you. Um, what was your vision and purpose behind Jacob? Am I saying it right? How do I pronounce it? I'm sorry. It's Jaconi. Jaconi. It's Swahili. So like it's just like Swahili is like vowel consonant, vowel consonant, um, and it means kitchen in Swahili. So e- oh. easy naming over there. I really like it um, though. Thank you. As far as like inspiration for like doing it. It goes back to London for my grad school time. When I was um, interning at the magazine, I learned about this concept of a food studio. So because even though I knew I wanted to work in publishing, I was still trying to figure out in what way. So I want to do book, magazine, digital. Obviously, digital is like where I went and it's kind of the strongest, but... The thing that was really cool about these food studios is that, you know, they people would build these like really great kitchen studio spaces for the intents of creating content. And they got to work with everyone. People were doing cookbook shoots there. They were doing photography there. They're making shows there. Like everything was happening. Um, and I've always been a person of multiple interests. Um, so that concept like really appealed to me. So even when I started working at Tasty, I was always planning to open my own kitchen studio so I could take, you know, that background of having a very traditional degree in England with publishing and learning about the bookmaking process, um, be able to, like, bring that back into my career where the job at Tasty was, like, purely video. Um, and, yeah, I mean, right now we can't shoot, but... That's the nice thing about having a multiple disciplinary background for me is because we can't film right now and no one can film. I'm focusing on, you know, creating content and pivoting Jaconi to be more content supportive and have a mix of editorial as well as branded stuff. Yeah, and I think you're doing that job actually really well. Um, The pictures that you sent me, the one with the kitchen was beautiful. Um, And then also your Instagram as well. Yeah, I was looking at your website and it looked very nice. Very, very clean. (laughs) I mean, it's hard to shift gears. I was having so much fun in designing the space. I'm like, oh, yeah, I should probably cook something. I kid you not. After a few months of not cooking, because I traveled for a bit around Europe for open the studio, and then I didn't cook for a while. The first time I properly cooked, I set a towel on fire, like, with a oh. quick immediacy. Maybe 10 minutes in the kitchen, the towel is ablaze. I'm like, oh, yeah, you should practice doing this again. <laughs> yeah. So, what would you say, what do you like to cook, um, and what would you say is, like, your cooking style, if you could describe it? I have been asked this question so many times, and literally, of, like, what my, like, culinary identity is. It's, like, what a casting producer is always asking food. Like, what's your culinary identity? And people are like, I'm Tex-Mex Joe, or I'm, like, you know, these, <laughs> you know, those things, and I've always struggled with that question because I didn't see my culinary identity outwardly represented so I didn't have the rhetoric for it 
Um, and it wasn't until I was listening to a song uh, called Zoom Zoom by Gorgon City featuring Wyclef Jean. And it's like this like really fun like house thing and like Wyclef goes into this riff, um, just like kind of like a monologue. And then he says this term, Afrikali. And it just clicked for me. I'm like, oh my God, like I, this is me. That is who I am. I'm California born and raised, um, but I'm first generation American. My mom's from Kenya and my dad's from Nigeria. And I spent my summers growing up in Kenya, um, okay. especially during that time when I learned how to cook. So the way I cook is just literally married between the two, you know, cultures and styles and from my traveling. Um, so I say my culinary style is Africali. Yeah. Gosh, look at you. Are you my best friend? <laughs> her mom's in Kenya and her dad's like also from Nigeria. So like That's they're literally both from Nigeria, me but switched. But... I'm from Nigeria, yes. by the way. Like full Nigeria. Oh, yeah. But my mom lives in Kenya. She's in Nairobi right really? now. Really? Yeah. So I got really excited when you said Nigeria. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> literally, I foolishly did the uh, ancestry quiz because I felt like wasting money that day. Um, and Aww. literally when I got my results back, just sub-Sahara Africa was lit up like your Christmas tree. I just say, yep. I'm just Miss Africa. Like I'm all the things under there historically, I guess. Well, that's beautiful though. I'm from the Bahamas. I'm very curious about taking that. Yeah. How, like, was it, did you do the I mean, ancestry one or did you just do like the, is it the three and one? I did ancestry. Ancestry and me. No, Ancestry and my results change every few months, the quantities. It's like, I, they, no new countries get added because literally it's all of Sub-Saharan Africa. Um, it's just the quantities will shift, and I think that's based on how much data they're collecting from people and applying. Hmm. But it's fun. Be like, all you're all me. Like, Mozambique has some poppin' food, and I've been having fun researching it. Um, I mean, obviously, I can't travel anywhere for now, but literature is fun i just ordered a ethiopian cookbook this morning um because i our neighbors have some banging food um so i enjoy making the food of the continent so much yeah that's that's amazing so we see that um i guess from your website as well we see that you're working on your curio shop um which i see yeah which seems like a a whole separate section so how does this process look like and how are you finding do you are you trying to like differentiate um your different businesses um what's kind of like your vision with that um i don't for the immediate future see any of my businesses being isolated everything kind of pings back to one another um, and i try my best to build jaconi into like this ecosystem um of like culinary education so just as I believe it's important to, you know, learn about recipes, I think it's important to learn about the culture around food, um, but also on the technical side of how to do things properly and what you should use. Um, and that's kind of where like Curio Shop will feed into more of that lifestyle part attached to cooking of like, you know, the things that we're using in the test kitchen a lot or just like stuff that I generally love. I think with building the studio my love for interior has become very prevalent um and so understanding that things in your kitchen have a functionality but it's also part of the aesthetic and design of your space in your home and you know i think more now than ever people are really appreciating 
or hating the efforts we put into decorating our house because it's all you can look at now. Like, I am so grateful. I think it was maybe two months ago I decided to turn my attention back to decorating my home. And if I did not do that, these empty walls would have driven me crazy. And Curio Shop is really a way to feed in that functionality of what are great things to have in your kitchen. Also, bearing in mind beautiful design um, and trying to create financial and employment opportunities for people in the continent who are artisans at making good stuff. So based on the world we're in, the timeline is gonna get pushed back and slower just because people aren't working and so getting manufacturing and exporting, um, we're gonna probably have to push back debut of Curio Shop, but I'm also a fan of doing things properly and really truly believe that haste ruins everything. Um, but it's something that will be coming whenever the world uh, settles and hopefully people have some really dope African things in their kitchen as well as non-African things that help you make great food. Yeah. I really like how you brought it back to, you know, helping your community um, and giving back or creating opportunities for other people. Oh, have to. I think my overarching, like, career goal thing, and that's why I'm like, I try to create an ecosystem, but, like, my dream, 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 dream thing has really not much to do with food. Um, my family, as I mentioned, my mom's from Kenya, and our family is Maasai, and we're a very old world culture um, that are very much exploited by tourism. Um, and so my life goal is to be able to build kind of like a museum, like a cultural museum, um, where we can give people an appropriate space to learn about our culture. Um, and through that and through the curio shop, um, you know, provide employment opportunities for people to do the things that they traditionally know. Because um, I think a lot of cultures are in this like crossroad of, you know, preserving tradition as well as surviving and thriving in modern society and kind of creating like a middle ground of like the skills you know and the skills that have been passed down to you do have. Um, opportunity in the current like um, marketplace um, and you don't have to like give up your dignity or self-respect in order to be successful um given that you're currently working on your curio did I say that right I'm so sorry I'm not good with names God, it's normally with the sea, but curio. the sea curio was taken by some children's book in Eastern Europe. It was a hot mess. Um, <laughs> and our family last, like not my last name, but the family last name is Kusaine. So I was just like, you know, we can Kardashian it and just make it a K. And I like that. Go for it. <laughs> okay, so given that you're working on like your curio shop, how do you balance creating something new while continuing to grow what you already have? Well, I guess the biggest change is not even right now the Curio Shop, but it's the shift to editorial. Um, because before Jaconi was really like a production space um, as well as creative agency. But so the biggest add on right now is editorial and building out um, a process where we can be creating great content, but understanding that I don't like the deification of editorial this concept that these people are like the end-all be-all they know everything um and i there's so much knowledge within people like everyday people and so right now my day-to-day -day is building a new website that can support that 
um, and creating an editorial space where on our side we can collaborate with everyday people to share their stories, share their recipes, and then do our jobs as content creators to create beautiful editorial pieces to complement it. So whether it's someone submitting their family recipe and we make a really cool video around it or, you know, just give it some like make it and shoot it in like really beautiful photography and kind of making it a collaboration between us and everyday people. Um, and just giving people a voice in the in their own storytelling, which people are very naughty about in editorial. Yeah, I feel like that opens up your audience too and kinda shows your audience that, you know, anybody can do you know, editorial type of stuff. A hundred percent. Like there's, I think one thing we've all learned from the internet and digital age with like YouTube and Instagram is that like nothing is exclusive anymore. Anyone can make content. Like it's, it's open access. Um, and I just want to be able to work with everyday people, um, rather than just gathering this team of like experts. Um, what is the process behind your posts on social media and how do you make them interactive? The process is I write. <laughs> I'm trying to get better at social media. That's the one thing I'm, I can create content, but I think the idea, like I've never been like a marketing person. Um, so social media for me is just like word vomit, honestly. I like, mm, yeah. what do I feel like right now? So sometimes it's a little bit more professional and sometimes it's weird. It's very reflective of my mood, especially my Instagram. Um, it's just like the hat I feel like wearing that hour of the day. I should have a strategy, but... It's okay. <laughs> no, no, we're, it's all, okay. we're all growing and working on our Instagrams. Yeah. It's very rough right now. And I also think that maybe like the best thing actually is like really not having... Or maybe not it maybe not like having your Instagram not seem like it's a whole like marketing strategy and like, you know, with the serious feed and, you know, everything like that. But, you know, showing that you are like a real person. <laughs> I think we'll probably for especially with the editorial, um, my team is working on more strategy for the Jaconi Instagram. But mine I yeah, I just have no desire to be an influencer in that way. Um, I just like sharing food and talking to people. Um, so I just use it as I feel fit. Digital. So I guess we kind of touched on this question earlier. Do you feel like digital, the digital world has impacted your journey at all? Um, do you feel like it's had a huge role? Oh, a hundred percent. Um, my career, well, didn't exist without the digital world. I started my career like really in digital um, and in a very aggressive way because I was working for Tasty, which I mean, still is really huge. I don't know the stats anymore, but at the time was the biggest food network in the world um, and kind of just got thrusted in there from being a grad student to like millions of people watching everything I put out there. Um, so I don't know what my career would be without the digital space. I think there's just it's like anywhere there's just so much going on it is how you can use it as a tool or it can be like the worst thing ever to happen to your life depending on how you use it yeah um and kind of going back a little bit um nmh is definitely not the typical school um at all <laughs> oh sorry uh, how, how, i actually how... realized i'm using my nmh mug
Oh my god, I love that. I don't that. even mean to. It's <laughs> oh, so cute. Total organic coincidence. They do. Oh, their mugs are. I need to get a new one. Can you just order that? I got this go at. I had my ten year reunion last summer, so this is where oh. that came from. Carol, we're gonna have to wait a little bit. I think we have a five year reunion last summer. That's yeah. our first one. For this year, they're not gonna have a reunion. Yeah. Um, but how has your NMH experience, how was your NMH experience rather? And do you feel like it prepared you or helped you in any way? So I transferred in to NMH, uh, junior year. So I only did two years. And honestly, I tell people all the time, I don't know which I liked better, boarding school or college. Syracuse was really fun. Like it's a I'm really, sure. I've it, heard was a, it was a great Syracuse. time. But I honestly think enjoyed boarding school just as much, if not a little bit more. It's like a little oh. bit more. Um, I think Ooh, more. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know how it is for people who are there now. But when I went there, it was a good time. Like I love my class and the class below me. Um, was, maybe like half my friends were the class below me because we all came in as transfers together. Um, but I kind of grew up as a kid, no, I kind of, I definitely grew up as a kid who never fit in anywhere I went. All my schools in California, as it was a weird one, like, all, like, my middle school or elementary, like, all the kids were, like, wearing their cool skater kid stuff, and I literally, I kid you not, and I kind of want this outfit now, would wear, like, purple metallic pants with, like, a multicolored <laughs> pastel striped sweater, um, and just be that was just always me and that never fit where I was um yeah that's the usual on NMH campus I can see that so like going to NMH nothing one my fashion or what I wore wasn't considered weird um if anything I thought those kids were dressed wild like when we had a formal event and like kids that were basically almost grown men are out here wearing like yellow pants with little blue whales on it i was like what the hell is this (laughs) you know uh new england fashion shocked me um as an eclectically dressed person i was at the time but i i like that everyone so many shades of weird uh and i had such a great community group and got to be involved in so many things and nothing felt exclusive where i went to a very like stereotypical california high school like, I always tell people, if you ever seen the movie Malibu's Most Wanted, if the answer is no, first of all, watch it. It's hilarious. But second <laughs> of all, that was my high school. Like, a bunch of non-black kids who thought they were, like, hood cool because they watched, listened to rap music, but had a lot of money, uh, and just didn't really respect black people. Um, where NMH had this, like, really great international community, and there are just so many humans and so many activities to do, and there's winter, and that was cool. Uh, so yeah, I loved it. It's good. That's good to hear. <laughs> well, NMH is all about the head, heart, and hand. How do you feel as if this shaped you or shaped your brand in any way, shape, or form? No, I, I firmly believe that. You know, one weekend they're like, hey girl, you're going to go work on the farm. Uh. <laughs> no, I quit that job real quick. Oh, that was you had a farm work job? My first work job was on the farm. They took oh, me to no. an apple orchard. I oh, picked so up you an apple. check and that out for the NMH bingo. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. That was not the one. I was like, I have knee problems. It's just too much bending. Uh, Let, uh, which I do. Uh, but <laughs> I, that's not the reason why I quit that work job. It was gross. Uh, no, I definitely agree. Um, 
NMH definitely had like a balance and I think most importantly like really like because the schedule they gave us showed us that balance it's like yes you have education time you need time to run around and like burn energy you need a time just to focus and time to socialize um and it's kind of how I break up my day except for the running around one I hate fitness with a burning passion um (laughs) but everything else sticks with me from there and it really helped in college oh my god same freshman year of college everyone around me was losing their mind because they had freedom (laughs) for the first time and I'm like exactly they're like this new freedom I'm just like didn't care just sat on my window in Syracuse watching girls slide down the hill like wearing mini skirts during a wind tunnel because they were so desperate to go out when it was like a tundra outside no stay stay in nothing is going anywhere none of these people are going anywhere yeah, That's that just gave me like nostalgia vibes. <laughs> <laughs> Remembering like my whole animation experience. Animation almost killed me too, but that's a whole other story. Winter, um, all winter related. I guess we've already we've talked about this question a little bit, but I guess maybe to expand on it, how do you stay connected to your Maasai roots? It's really just like my family. Most of my I tell people I'm an experiment. To be, I was like the first person for both of my family to be born here. So pretty much 99% of my relatives live abroad. Um, so I visit them as often as possible. Usually like every other year I'll go for at least a month. Um, it was longer when I was a kid. WhatsApp, that family group chat is super active. It's, I had to put it on <laughs> Um I still look at it, but there's so many notifications. Oh, those family group chats. Hey. They'd be summoned, 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 summoned. Especially when they're on a different time zone. If you don't put it on mute, you'll never sleep. Um, it's over. It's like bing, 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 bing. Um, and it's just really, yeah, it's really just being with my family. There's not much I can engage with my culture publicly, media-wise. We ain't got restaurants. Um, I don't think there's Kenyan restaurants. I think there's like four in America. Uh, so it's really just family and then through food, cooking. Um, not really Maasai style of cooking because we don't have as many, we don't have like exclusive to us dishes. Um, it's more of a like shared Kenyan culture. Um, that's the only way I can do it. And hopefully when the world calms down, I'm working towards, it's going to be a longer project on a documentary series, um, which will be like my first like non-food exclusive project. Um, to document our traditions as we are quickly losing them um, as far as like that knowledge generationally yeah I feel I definitely feel that especially like being Nigerian as well Um, you know I grew up like understanding my language and type of stuff but I can definitely feel like my language skills have been slowly um, you know not as slowly I don't know what the word is, but slowly depleting, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, the Nigerians, yeah. y'all, like, their Nigerianness is everywhere. I spent the summer, I was in Sweden, and they were playing, you know, all of the Afro-pop songs and all these Swedish uh, girls are out here singing every lyric, every word. The world's an interesting place right now. Uh, that yeah. was really cool to see, though. Love, love being Nigerian. It's <laughs> so fun. I think every Nigerian um, loves being Nigerian. To be honest, I feel like we're, we're very cocky, <laughs> very confident in ourselves, the I would say. The loudest and proudest. 
Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> never met a Nigerian that does not love being a Nigerian. The Nigerian propaganda is real too. Don't trust data you um, hear from Nigerians. <laughs> I feel like only only us can insult ourselves. So we definitely like to come off as if we're the best. But then we at the same time we still like go back and like criticize how bad we are too. Oh, the most critical. I have only done in my career one Nigerian recipe. I did it. They spoke and I'm like, I'm gonna let y'all just sit over there, you know? I'm gonna let that be for a minute. Um, I've done loads of Kenyan recipes, uh, and they love it. Uh, the Nigerians were not—they—they're not loving anyone's work, really. Like I've never watched a Nigerian cooking video where the comments were pleased. Um, even I did a video where Nigerians is called Party Rice Around Africa, and they did not include any Nigerian. And most of the comments were Nigerians complaining about how they weren't included, which yeah, I've never I seen. Can, I can see that. I can definitely see that. <laughs> Everyone can be like, why was I invited to the party? Like, no other country was complaining about not being there. But uh, the Nigerians, because they put a gunny in and they're making jollof rice. And, uh, no, no, you see, that's that's a problem. I knew what I was I doing. I can see why they were angry. But, I, you know, I got to show love to everyone. True, So they, true. they needed their moment in that video. Yeah. That's, that's true. Okay, true. See, that's my Nigerians getting out again. Um... <laughs> But when you cook, describe the feeling. Do you ever feel like cooking no longer gives you that feeling because it's also like, you know, your profession, like your work? I get, like, what was it, last Friday? Who knows what days are anymore? I don't. Uh, it's I got, not today, tomorrow, and yesterday. Yes. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. social media. On a day uh, previous to the one we're living now, uh, I made, I don't even remember what I made. Oh, I made breakfast burritos. And I took the first bite and it was so good and I was so hyped and my energy was like the highest all day. I get really excited and energetic the first time I make something and it like doesn't fail, which is always a goal of recipe testing because the more rounds of testing, your energy towards it goes down and it's also time. But anytime I make something new and it works, I'm like, I'm that person. I'm basically skipping down the street when I'm walking. Like the energy is irrationally high, but I just get so hype over it. Like this focaccia I'm making right now, I think it's like it's bubbling, it's doing what it's supposed to do. And when I bake it, if I cut into it and it's banging, like it's a party. I'm gonna be driving all over LA delivering slices to everybody. Um, so yeah, still, still love it. So you talked about how you used to work at Tasty and then you branched off because you found your passion. What was the process like of you finding your passion and how did you know that this is what you were meant to be doing? There were, so there's two parts to that because I've always, since grad school, I wanted to do, you know, the kitchen studio. Um, But Going into grad school, my intent was to, you know, create my own, you know, digital magazine. I think doing print is just something that no one is really aspiring to do right now. Um, And within that degree program, I kind of lost the passion for it just based off the data. I think we've all seen the decline in media companies and companies either some have closed completely, they're merging, they're layoffs, all of that stuff. 
And so being, you know, studying this industry so closely, and especially my master's dissertation was on specifically digital food media. Um, my desire to want to start a media company just kind of diminished. Um, and then I was like, well, at least with the studio, I can just, you know, still work in these industries, but be in a more steady constant because my clients wouldn't rely on just one industry. It'd be multiple disciplinary and it'd be more stable. Um, but then from working at Tasty in such a big company and seeing what was represented in food, the voices that were represented, and who was a part of it, and who got to be a part of the story, um, I kind of refound my passion for wanting to create a digital media platform, um, which is what I'm pivoting to right now with Jaconi. So the studio is still will be for rent and we'll still be doing events in it once we're open again, but really bringing back in the reason why I even went for the publishing degree is, you know, having an editorial space in food, which is a very saturated market, but to an audience where I feel like is underrepresented. And it's really thinking of the continent and people of, you know, whether it's like your first, second generation African or from the diaspora, you just like really bang with the culture but the editorial that speaks to us, um, that's for us, and that's pretty much all I'm actively working on now is building that new website, building out the framework for that, um, and creating that stuff for our contributors because I never want to stifle creativity. So I don't want it to be like so in the box, like these are the only types of things you contribute for us, um, and kind of creating wide borders um, where people can still bring really great creative stuff to the platform, but also very clear goals of this is who we're trying to talk to, this is a market I want to serve, um, and still bring the same editorial quality you'll see at a TST, at a Bon Appetit, at the Curious, um, but you're going to see like a shit ton of African food, or even just like food that might not be African but appeals to African palate. Like I can't go to any run-of-the-mill bakery buy cookies and take them to my family they're gonna hate that they're gonna find it too sweet or you know you guys so there's even within international cuisines there's still stuff that will hit on that palate and that taste yeah um and creating you know a space for that audience i never thought of it like that we like different shit yeah, yeah. Like, we can go so simple, to the same but restaurant but what people are going to order is going to be different um, and for, so with the Jaconi website, it's going to be recipes. It'll be living. Um, so thinking of the kitchen and home, because a big reason I'm struggling right now in quarantine is I enjoy cooking way more than eating. And so I have, I live alone, so I'm like, who's eating this food? So I just freeze it or drop it off to friends' houses, um, curbside, contactless drop-off. Um, and understanding that cooking isn't just about, especially in African culture, it's not just about preparing food for people or technical. There's so much culture around it uh, that surrounds food, and that's what the living section's for. Um, and then there's a travel section, and that will really be uh, in Trevor Noah's latest uh, comedy special, Senator Patricia. He very eloquently states of how someone needs a creative trip advisor for black people because we just want different things out of life. Exactly. Um, I like that. <laughs> and I agree. So with the travel, um, one of the formats we will have are city guides. Um, so city guides created, you know, through the lens um, of 
black people everywhere. So I have like a friend who lives in the west of Sweden um, and he's Ghanaian American and he's going to be like writing up, you know, a city guide to that. So when you're visiting there as a black person, you can go to spaces seen by them because I look at a lot of travel guides and they're written by people that I personally wouldn't want to hang out with in my own city. So why am I listening to their opinions when I'm spending my hard money on vacation? Because um, I'm very much of like traveling, of like living like a local and trying to be like, if I were to live here, what would I want to do? And getting travel advice from that lens. Um, so that's what the city guides are doing. So he's, this one is an example, but he's going to be talking about, you know, say you're doing a Europe trip and you end up in the west of Sweden, here's where you can get your hair done. You know, in addition to bars and restaurants and all the fun stuff we want to uh, know about travel. Yeah, I like that, especially as I'm studying, like I'm preparing to study abroad. Um, another program I was deciding on was Paris, and I was looking for anything by like a black person or specifically oh a black gosh, woman Paris is so African. yeah i know but like even even though it's so african like looking at you know things that people have written and have actually posted it was definitely hard to see uh, to see that which i i think would be amazing and i can't wait to you know see that yeah no getting it, it's, it's, it's travel's a hard one because it is such a big financial investment when you go on vacation and we, everyone always wants like a recommendation like oh my friend told me about this at that but like I'm like who's your friend though what do they do <laughs> like um, all of that is um, really important um, are there times where you get burnt out and if so how do you practice self care oh I get burnt out a lot often because I very much so like a one woman band um I just sleep really I'm, I'm a huge fan of just like rest um, I'm a morning person so anytime I just feel weary a good night's sleep will I it rejuvenates me and then just like eating a rainbow um and just like doing things for myself that I know make me happy, not necessarily like this is like good for you or whatever, just like things that I know make me bring me joy. Um, music is a huge part of my life. I have music around me all day, every day. I'm gonna have a playlist for everything. Um, so it's even just you know, making a breakfast that really makes me feel good and then putting on like a really good, upbeat, positive playlist can like re energize me like nothing else. And what will you be focusing on in 2020, both professionally and personally? 2020. Gosh, what a year. Yep, definitely. This is not over yet. Uh, All right, just the beginning. The beginning of 2020. Um, I think my overall priority with 2020 is just not to, like, bite off Nike, but just do it. Um, I think especially when the world enters like a huge crisis and you're kind of like I'm a very self-reflective person and I don't and I do take my time to do everything but I'm kind of more in like a rip the band-aid mood yeah like 2020 I'm just gonna do it like I'm not gonna be like oh someday maybe it's just like that's my whole 2020 something's on my mind let's just do it let's just make it let's just shoot it Let's just go there, um, both in work and life. My work and personal life are 
intertwined so deeply. I don't know where one begins or ends, but not in a way where it's like I'm married to it. I'm just very fortunate where my passion has become my career. And I do actively consciously before all this happened, I was like, I need a hobby because food cannot be my life all day, every day. Where I'm like, yeah. my hobby, that was my hobby, was cooking, and now it's my job. Um, and I'll probably like lean with the music. I really just wanted to learn how to DJ. And I probably have no audience to play to right now, but probably a good time now than ever to learn, finally. Just so I can have something that just doesn't relate to my job at all to put my time into. Um, no career motivations behind it, but just like I have, I find joy in music and I'm an obsessed with playlist maker my whole life. Um, and just being able to use a personal interest to occupy my time that has nothing to do with work sounds really awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, who do you look up to in the girl boss community? Hmm. First person that came to mind was Mindy Kaling. I thought, I think her career is just like super dope. Um, as far as, I think early-ish on, um, always being like strong in her voice. I read her book and it seemed that a lot of adversity she could have ever faced, she just kind of just always charged on and kept moving forward. Um, and, you know, very much creates her home projects and sees them through to the end as a part of her own projects. And it's something that I want for my career. I want to be very active in what I make, um, not just like hand it off to other people to learn it. <laughs> And for our last question, what advice would you give your 18 or 20 year old self? Oh God, what was I doing when I was 18? <laughs> um, freshman year of college. Hmm. Those were early days. Um, advice to myself. This is a hard one. I definitely say of. Uh, Kind of the same thing now, just like always trust your gut. I've always been wholeheartedly a nonconformist. It's gotten me in trouble a lot in school, uh, a lot. Um, but especially like when you're in a, you know, it's a new space time where you're aggressively bombarded with so much culture, um, especially when you're entering college. And it's so contrasting to what you're doing with your life before. And it almost feels like you can get pulled in many directions. Um, and just being okay with not being interested in the nonsense going around you. And FOMO is a lie and it doesn't mean anything. I feel that. I feel that, FOMO. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us on the UNI podcast today. We are so grateful that you took the time to talk to the listeners and us. Yeah, no, this is great. I'm always happy to talk especially right now to talk to anyone as I'm by myself (laughs) all day um especially at NMH alumni because literally my NMH group chat runs daily and are you serious yeah we have have a I yeah I mean we didn't have it but mind you too there's that moment like we didn't have a group chat in college uh this is okay this is a post reunion group chat that okay. happened um and it's not with everyone there's like maybe like just a handful of us and, and in no way shape or form is everywhere there are people who are my best friends at school but you never know who your life intersects with later on who you end up living in the same city with later yeah. and it just it is now a wonderful group of people that i 
you know, knew me when I had braces. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Reunion thing. All right. And to our listeners, I hope you enjoyed and got something from our conversation with Keanu. Again, we want this to be an ongoing conversation with you. So please feel free to leave your comments and ideas and feedback on our latest Instagram post at the You and I podcast. Thanks for listening and we'll see you during next week's episode. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and we would love to hear your thoughts. What did you think? What was your favorite part of the episode? Leave your comments on our latest Insta post at the UNI podcast. We want to include you on this journey. Once again, thank you for listening and we'll see you during next week's episode. Have a wonderful week. Bye.